Welcome to Rooster Radio, where we talk to interesting people doing amazing things. I'm Andrew Montessi with James Begley. Today's episode started with a couple of beers in the office with Josh Baker, before he made the snap decision to put a mic in front of him. Early Rooster Radio listeners will remember Josh from episode two, our first interview which is still one of our most popular, despite our cringeworthy production. Josh is Adelaide's most well-known hospitality entrepreneur, who has changed the city through his venues and small bars, including Clever Little Taylor, Pink Moon Saloon, Whistle and Flute, among many others, along with a couple of new and ambitious venues that are opening soon. Josh talks about his personal and professional evolution since our last interview, international plans and much more. Then we kept the mics on as Josh's mentor, John Sava from Leadwell Property, strolled into the office. John has had amazing success with his company that provides property services across retail, industrial and commercial. Josh and John talk about the impact of their relationship, along with many other business and property insights. This is an old school Rooster Radio episode and definitely one of our most enjoyable. Crack a can and enjoy the chat. Welcome back, Bakes. Lovely to be here, boys. Thank you. I reckon the last time we had a chat, and it's a bit of an infamous chat now, it was our first mm. ever Rooster Radio. So how many How many now, lads? This would be 93, I reckon. About that, yeah. When you think about it, 93 hours of gold. Mm. The gift to the world from us. Since we last caught up, though, probably bits happened in your world. Um, I think yeah, all of our worlds, yeah. yeah. Two yeah. years, was it? Did you almost, say? Almost if we're going to yeah. seamlessly pick up on where we were at, we'd been evacuated. That's right. Remember? There was a... Yeah. The fire alarm goes the, off. It was the, the... Was it the fireys or the cops that came in and told us to get out? We all went downstairs. Mm. James and I came back and you didn't come with us. You just... Not only were we our first interview, but you're the only interview guest to that started the interview but didn't finish it. So this is how we're... I guess picking up. I always wanted to be a rock star. That's a little bit of a rock star. That is kind of a rock star thing. Anyway, you were working at Coffee Branch, own Coffee Branch, Mm -hmm. but you don't have it anymore. No. So from that time, sold out of Coffee Branch. I don't know if I... I don't know if we did. What are some of the feelings and the reasonings, you know, why? Oh, you know, when... You know... You know when you're done in a venue. You know when you're done anything. When you stop enjoying something, then it's time to move on because all you're going to do is put a negative spin on whatever you're doing that you don't like. And that's what was happening at Coffee Branch. So it was time for me to move on. And and just so just to ask one more question there. When you decide you've had enough, how do you begin the process of selling or offloading a, a cafe? Well, there's like, a couple of things with that. There was a, There was... There was a partnership that I was involved in that I didn't really want to be involved in anymore. So you, you go to the drawing board and you say, okay, so how am I going to get over this issue? The first issue is you go and say, look, can I buy you out of this business, the, the person you don't want to be in business with anymore, and give them the opportunity to either say yay or nay to that. And then if they don't want to be bought out, um, then they will offer you a buyout. So that's how I went about it. So it's not like, you, you know, you, you pick up the phone and you start ringing people saying, do you want to buy my... No, I mean, you go through the different... You go through some different... Um, you go through different feelings and you think, oh, maybe we should sell the thing collectively as a whole or, um, or one of us is going to keep it. So it was a pretty smooth transaction, really. Um, you know, the guys that 
that bought it off me, they're, they're, they're great. They've done a really good job. Um, and it was just time for me to move on. What about the emotional connection, given it was your, your first baby. foray and your baby? Yeah, that's hard. That's hard. It always is hard. It's hard to, you know, my car park's still underneath the shop. So, yeah, I'd see it all the time. Um, and even now, do you, when you go past, you go, oh, you know, like if I was still running it, I might do this or I could yeah, do this. absolutely. I still, you still walk in there and going, oh, why is that there? Why is that there? Push a stool in here and there, you know, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, it, so you, you, you sell, um, was there relief or sadness the, the day nah, that you did was, the deal? It was an end of an era. Yeah. So there was a bit of emotion with it, but it was a good emotion. And, you know, it's not like I sold something to do nothing, you know. I sold something to have a little bit of a break from... from but I remember talking to you and you said that in selling, it gave you a chance to kind of just sit back and then work out what you wanted to do next. Like, you weren't completely clear, were you? No. No, I think, the you know, the Green Hill Road deal with the new shop we've got, Whistle and Flute... Uh, I think that was just getting spoken about. Like it was in a bit of a mix. So I had that to focus on. Um, so, yeah. So you chilled out for a bit? Just chilled out for a bit. Like I'm trying to remember. What's the old uh, memory's getting a bit shot. Well, <laughs> maybe this will kind of rekindle things. But can you give our listeners, what's your mix now? What do you, what do you own? What's happening? All right, so still, I still, we still have Clever Little Taylor, which is a little... The little gem out of the whole lot. Still my number one. Oh, my my favourite. I love it. I mean, I love Pink Moon as well, but, you know, Clever will tell us something about it. And I think it was because it was the first on Peel Street and we really worked hard to create that precinct with, with the government. Um, so Clever Little Taylor, Pink Moon Saloon, you know, Pink Moon Saloon will be coming up to its second year soon. Um, Pink Moon Deli, little deli down the road from Pink Moon, which is great. Um, whistle and Flute. And the latest thing at the moment we're building is the Port Admiral Hotel and a Port Adelaide. So the new, you know, this new lease of life of Port Adelaide and we're, we've got involved with a great bunch of young guys, you know, that own an um, American barbecue down there, low and slow, American style barbecue. Uh, so with a joint venture with low and slow and also Stuart Wesson, who's a chef at Whistle and Flute and Clever Little Taylor, we've taken our... You know, and and a beer, and a beer, and we've brewed a beer with Pirate Life. So we've done a bit of a, a joint venture with Pirate Life, um, and done a four point five percent lager, which is going to be called the Port Local, um, and that's uh, going to be put into can and keg, um, and we're really excited about that. Hopefully, it goes off and people love it, and we can distribute that around Australia. It's a it's going to be, I think, a, a venue and a beer that's going to be very close to the hearts of Rooster Radio. We had, you know, your business partner, Crispian, aka yeah. Nuss, oh, how's on Nuss? the show. How good is that bloke? Just one of the better blokes going around. Without Probably my Nuss, top five. Without Nuss, I must just say, without Nuss, my life would be completely different. Clever Little Taylor would be different. Pink Moon would be different. Actually, without Nuss... Or a lot of these places probably wouldn't exist. And I'd probably still be a coffee brand. It's funny because he bagged you on the podcast. (laughs) No, not really. (laughs) What, um, you need to get get a bit deeper to compete with Noose. I I sometimes call Noose just so he can talk me to sleep because his voice is so good. (laughs) Just hurts. (laughs) But, I mean, it must be exciting with all these opportunities. How many people are approaching you to do stuff? 
you know, a lot. You know, there's always people wanting to invest. Pitching. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. it's more like we'll give you some money and you just yeah. go and do something with it. Yeah. People think that hospitality is the easy road. Like there's a, there's a bit of a myth about that. They go, oh, yeah, hospitality. And, you know, people see venues busy and you see money getting thrown around and drinks getting bought and everyone's having a great time. And then they just think that that money just is 100% profit and they must be, you know, milking it. Um, so, and that's just so not the case. It's, it's probably one of the hardest industries in the world and it's, it is a constant working machine. Um, so people want to throw money at you because they want to return in their investment and they think that's a good investment. And a bit sexy. And a sexy. Oh, there's a, there's, there's a glamour to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but so that's what I get a lot. I get a lot of people asking me, um, you know, come on, let's do something. I've got a bit of money tucked away. Let's do this. And I feel like saying to them, you know, if you want that money and you want to keep the money, probably don't invest <laughs> that in hospitality. Well, how, do you, how do you weigh up the opportunities? Because, you know, you do love a, a nice little business opportunity. Oh, I, mean, yeah. I think the three of us came up with the business Today. just, just well, before do, actually, hitting record. And, how um, good is that going to be? Yeah, we're going to make an absolute killing. It's going to be a nush shop. <laughs> how, like, how do you weigh up these opportunities? Uh, really good question because I don't even know. It's all about a feeling. Gut feeling. And you get a gut feeling. But when we, were, when we decided to the Port Admiral Hotel, Crispian, Dana and myself were in the car driving down Port Road. We were in the car going, we're not doing this. We're not going to do this. Um, we're not doing this pub. We're just going to, you know, be polite um, to, to Ang- Angus Henderson, to Hendo and his crew, low and slow. Um, they got approached about this deal of the Port Admiral Hotel. We thought it was, you know, right. You know, we had to do a nice thing and go and check it out. But we were driving down there and we were adamant we weren't doing it. We got halfway down, well, three quarters way down Fort Road and Crispian starts to talk about the West because he's an advocate <laughs> yeah. for the West. Old Massive. And he starts talking about the West and he starts to point out little bits and pieces like we're driving past, oh, that place, or oh, that place, or oh, that place. By the, by the time we got to the Port Admiral, I looked at Dana and I said, Dana, I think we need to think a bit more, you know, a bit harder about this business opportunity. By the time we walked in the front door, it was on. We were done. We were, we were doing it. Like, we completely changed our tune. And that was because of Crispian. He lit up, right? So within our partnership, if one of us lights up and we love it, we're going to all jump on board, right? So, so yeah, it's got to be – that's got to be from the heart. You've got to feel it mm. and you've got to go, cool. And if you don't feel it, um, but the numbers stack up, I still don't think that's enough. When you walk into a place, like – you know, that pub had been what, abandoned for nine or ten years. Does it unfold? Yeah. Does it unfold in front of you? Like, oh, I'll put this here, I'll put that there, I'll do this. Yeah, the Port Admiral was a strange one because the original front bar was still there. Um, so there was just a couple of – there was just one room really and then there's a car park which is going to be our beer garden. Uh, and then another room obviously was going to be our bottle shop. So it was pretty easy to know what we were going to do and achieve there. But – yeah, it, it takes a lot of, oh, look, there's just there's a lot of chat. There's a lot of chat. Do you know what I love? I love the fact that in this day and age, people, you know, cost-benefit analysis and numbers and metrics and research, that your gut feel, passion, feelings, you know, is still such a big part of your decision-making process. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Look, I used to hate the word forecasting and forecasting for what a business is going to do, potentially, hypothetically. Um, and I've, I've changed my tune on that a lot now because you've really got to do your numbers on that forecasting and that, that, that's, that schedule's got to look 
like right before you even jump in to do it. That's the beauty about having Lee Kelly on board. But we won't get to that stage unless the feeling's not right. So if that feeling's right and we go, yeah, we can do this, then we go, Papa, come on. Perhaps you need to roll some numbers out on this. this is, that's the feeling you get. You make a really good point. It seems to me you've amassed a team of great people, not, team, not a team that you necessarily pay as employees. Um, Dave Lawson did branding for... He's doing branding for, for, for Ad- the Port Admiral. Port Admiral. And Ad- the Port Local. So Amazing they branding. Did, they did, they did Crafty Lawson. Can. Yeah. So you've, you've got, you've obviously worked really closely with an amazing architect and, and fit out man in Sands Arc and yep. Martia. Martia. Yeah, yeah. You've got, uh, you've got your legals and accountancies kind of sorted. Like yep. it seems to me you've got this team now, mm. a powerful bunch of people yep. that you really trust and they're great operators. 100%. 100%. You know, this, this world's about networking. You guys are the kings at networking. You know, like you still daylight oh, to take, you. Oh, take it easy. <laughs> Like, no, you guys are, you but, guys are, are, are but, 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 but this whole, where we are right now, you know, sitting in the rooster, well, next door to the rooster, on rooster radio, and you've got, we've got a great team of people hmm. around us. So we've mentioned architects, we've mentioned, uh, you know, accountancy, we've mentioned design, yeah. we've mentioned kind of, sort of not publicans, but you know, you guys know the hospitality game, yeah. builders. Builders, we got concrete. Oh, mate, concreters. We've got Timmy on the concrete. We've got we've got carpentry. We've got really good carpentry. We've got structural builders. We've got uh, plumbers. So, is there anything that you actually bother tendering out, or do you just go to providers that you know uh, already work? At the moment, we take in a lot of. Well, I take in for. So, my my companies are sort of split into two. You got the whistle and flute side of family. Um, which we're taking on two more projects. And then you've got the Clever Little Taylor family and then Pink Moon, obviously. Clever Little Taylor, they're the kids. Then what whistles, maybe the stepkids? Yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, like Clever Little Taylor's more like mum and dad. <laughs> 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 and then, you know, uh, whistle and flutes, like, yeah, my little brother and sisters. And I try and be this big brother, but <laughs> I'm just making it up. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Uh, I don't even know what I was saying. What was it quick? Oh, tendering out. Like you, oh, yeah. you just have, you've got your phone. You, yeah, your sorry. business is your phone. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I get Martia, our designer from Sands Arc, to do a lot of the stuff on the whistle side of things. Um, and that's really, uh, I take his word for all the trades, pretty much. We're the, the other side of the fence. We seem to go through new trades most of the time, or apart from our builder, Eddie, who did Pink Moon Saloon for us. He's doing the pub for us. But we've changed plumbers down there. We've changed electricians. and So, yeah. You're always recruiting more. But, it, yeah, it is. we don't really put a tender out. Um, we sort of just make new connections along the way. You always seem to have multiple kind of things on the go. Mm. Um, I know you've got something on the go. I'm not sure how much you can tell us about another project. Yeah. So I'm not really allowed to talk about it because the Adelaide City Council told me they don't want me to talk about it. But we can release this in nine months' time. Because you know what I said to the Adelaide City Council when they told me I can't talk about it? I said I build build a lot of my places, you know, the success on them off the bat with talking about them before I'm allowed to talk about them. (laughs) (laughs) So you kind of break a little rule. We can read between the lines and say we need to Adelaide City Council. Adelaide City Council own a property behind the Adelaide City Council, behind the town hall, (laughs) and it used to be called the Town Hall Cafe. (laughs) And that went out to tender and we put ours in and we won that. 
So we're and doing, that's on the record anyway. So yeah. you can't. So we're, it is. We've signed a, a, you know an agreement of lease lease agreement, um, and we're going to do a big style whistle and flute there. Big fresh zesty food, coffee, champagne, booze, blah, the whole jazz, right in the heart of the city, and really make it something that Adelaide City Council are going to be really proud of, um, and they can have a little flagship store themselves to show off. You know, the um, you can take that by the way. Rooster's all about. Oh, it's Vanessa. Yeah. Hey, Ness. Hey. How you going? Good. I'm just currently doing an interview. Can I call you back? Was there a ticket on my car? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, oh, that's all fine then. No, nah, I'll get it tomorrow off you. Okay, ciao, bye. Apologies. No, that's, that's right. right. That's, that's what's what we're, we're about. It's a... Just the way you describe it, it seems perfect mm. for the city. Yeah, and they're really – they were pretty selective apparently on, on who they wanted through there. And don't get me wrong, there is so many good operators in this town um, and I'm not sure who actually, uh, you know, really wanted the spot. But for the, for the thing that we want to achieve there, I think we're the right, we're the right candidates. Um, and it's right and it's, it's, you can't get any more – in the CBD than, than this tenancy. And you've got a proven track record now. Yeah, we've got a few runs on the board. Yeah. Man. I partner up with some beautiful people, man, that, that make this, that make me look really good. <laughs> but realistically, yeah. it's, it's all of us. There's a big team behind me and, um, and we do, all do our part. So I, I feel blessed every day to, to be in business with the people I'm in. False modesty is a beautiful thing and you can keep peddling it <laughs> on Rooster Radio. But I, I We're guess, all about arrogance on yeah, Rooster Radio. I don't know what he's doing no, with that humility. Really, one of the things you mentioned forecasting and your evolution mm. with, I guess, numbers and, and make you've got to get up to a sort of minimum standard mm. in terms of reading reports. Yeah. Where else have you developed when you think back to where you started, you know, Combi Coffee and yeah. kind of, uh, you know, learning business? What are the areas that have been the biggest learnings for you? Well, I can tell you HR, I'm still working on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really good at that. Um, no, look, I, I'm a lot more aware of numbers now. So actually, you know, reading my P&Ls and, 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 and knowing how the business is actually tracking instead of just thinking... What do you look for? What, num- like, oh, what, like, what are the numbers? Wages are always a thing that we look wages. for. Wages. Wages and, and, and what our sales are, food sales compared to food, and just making sure that our margins are correct and, and everything's rock and roll. Um, but that's something that doesn't actually – that bores the shit out of me, to tell you the truth. Like, I actually couldn't give a rat's ass, but I need to be across it, so I've tried to learn more about it. Um, so that side of things, those sort of things that I've, I've, I've tried to learn more. Um, I've tried to learn how to say no as well because I was always a bit of a yes man. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. I'll, I'll be here. I'll be there. Um, and, I, and, I, and it was stressing me out. So I've tried to just say, no, no that project's not right for me or oh, no, I don't want to attend that event or I don't want to be in that sort of public sort of eye that I thought was a bit attractive for a while. Um, but I learned that I didn't really enjoy it. It was actually more anxiety. Um, that helped you saying no? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it has. It really has. Like I, 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 it got to a stage where I was not enjoying going to my own venues because I had to talk a lot, sort of be on show. And that's, but that's sort of my role in these shops because I sort of step away from them once they're built, especially Clever Little Taylor and Pink Moon, and it'll be the same in the Port Admiral. Um, but it was because I was putting myself under so much stress that I was thinking that I had to talk and had to do this and that. But you know what? People are really cool. Like if you just 
you just say g'day and walk, sort of walk off and do your own thing. They're fine with it. I, I put it on myself to really engage with that person and make sure and talk them through everything. So now I've learned to deal with that and actually go back to my venues and I love it. I love going there, you know. It's actually, I love it a little bit too much. <laughs> how, many, how many venues do you think you can be involved with at any point in time? I don't know. I don't know if I, there's a number for it. I just know that if I start to feel like if, if there's, if, like, I've, there's anxiety about all our shops all the time because they're a working machine, right? It's not something you switch on and you go, wicked, I've switched it on and then walk away from it and it's going to run for life. You know, it's got an off switch that can happen pretty easily. And you've got to stay on top of that to make sure that it's mechanical arm just moving, moving, moving. So as long as we can mentally sustain these shops and make them all work and they don't give you the fucking anxiety, then I'll just keep going. You talked about a grease trap last time. Um, yeah. I think, I can't remember which one it was, whether Cleaning it was... Cleaning the fucking... Yeah, <laughs> horrible thing. What are some other just things that it's they're not sexy that people wouldn't really understand that you have to deal with you know your phone rings there's just give us some examples well there's everything you know like i still work behind the machine (laughs) every morning right i try to i love it whistle and flow open up the shop i I I love working the mornings you've got to service the table and whatever and take orders and you know and and give that customer or guest the best service they can possibly get but you've got to take their glass or cup afterwards and you've got to touch the rim of it where their dirty mouths have been (laughs) and give it a good old clean (laughs) and then put it in dishwasher and then all like a glass and you've got to, you know, you tip it all into the sink and then you've got to pick up that dirty straw from that dirty mouth and put it in the bin. Do you know what I mean? There's ongoing things. Plate of food, scraping plate of food, washing it, sink's all greasy. You know, the, the wet areas in hospitality aren't the nicest. You drop something on the floor, you got to clean it up. You spill milk over yourself. Like, I go home sometimes stinking like off milk. My wife just thinks I'm like a horrible person. I did, I did see at one point, like, I think you might have been stapling some plastic around the outside yeah. of whistle and flute because you, you had this amazing fit out and then it rained a bit and yeah. everyone got wet. Design fault there by Marty, yeah? yeah. He goes, no, it won't rain, it'll be fine. <laughs> oh, yeah, next second there's horrible on the rain. <laughs> so, you know, you need to turn into that person. Um, and, you, and, and because if I was going to go and get a contractor out to put blinds around, it's going to cost me hundreds, well, not hundreds of thousands, but let's say <laughs> thousands of dollars. We don't have thousands of dollars when you open up a new shop. So you've got to go, cool, what do I want to do? Call mate, Timmy. Timmy, we need to get some plastic. Timmy, we need to get some nails. <laughs> we went and hired a scissor lift from Kennards. Up you go. And it's in rain. So you've got to do these little things. And, and that's not glamorous, but they're just stuff that needs to be done. Got to do it. Um, you touched on saying no over the last couple of years how else have you grown do you think as a person physically you've grown i mean we were talking you're stacked now you've been going to the gym four times a week you're looking fit you're looking healthy thanks mate um yeah no no i've changed definitely like some some bad habits i had in my life and 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 swap that you know giving up smoking was massive Hmm. um and being focused going to the gym It's, it's funny i never thought i'd be a guy that needs to go to the gym for my brain and I actually get a lot out of it. Like That's I, where I go. I, I have to go now. You know, I've got to hit it four times a week. Sometimes I don't feel like going. But for my brain, I need to go. Um, even, so if, even if you have a rubbish, like I do it all the time. I have a rubbish session. Couldn't lift yeah. anything for crap. But just the, the mental space, 
You get no distractions. Absolutely. You're looking at a number on a weight. Yep. You're lifting it. That's it. Yep. And you know that that's now you're going to be there and you just got to get it done. Mm. And even when you walk away from there, you're like, oh, I did that. And then, and then you don't feel guilty when you go to the, you know, go straight to the pub and have a little pint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> was it giving up smoking? How hard was that? Because it's kind of the hospitality thing, isn't mm. it? I found it, I thought I'd find it a lot harder than I did actually. Well, I actually did it. I, I went cold turkey and I think that's the only way to do it. Don't long, dance around it. Just How long did it take you? Well, I did it the, the day that I said I'm sm- stopped smoking and I haven't smoked since. I lie. <laughs> I had one relapse. I went to Melbourne. With, with, I went to the Grand Prix, and Marlborough took us there. Uh, oh, Philip, Philip Morris. And the so ultimate this, temptation. We're in this, when corporate, we're in this like corporate box, which is you know the the bees knees of boxes, and so to speak. And um, anyway, there's beautiful girls walking around just handing out cigarettes. So that was my little day that I smoked, and then since then nothing. Begs just to bring up to speed, uh, listeners. Begs just walked out. As he does in yeah, the middle of a podcast. Um, he just made a quick meal. Uh, <laughs> Josh was just saying that it's been a big couple of years. Yeah. He's grown in many ways, physically, uh, spiritually, emotionally. Yeah. Um, how's the gym been going for you, James, in terms of your own physical health? <laughs> no, gym's been terrible. <laughs> um, my, my, bucks no, my, my body and the word slops keep <laughs> getting mentioned in the same breath and I have no idea why. Uh, anyway, bring it back to Josh. Uh, and that by the way, I have did to, you, take my, that, hang on. you took my beer. Yeah, I did. And that's a horrible screensaver you've got there. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I've been looking at that for the last 30 minutes. So, <laughs> listeners at home, it's Beg's getting sort of walked off with a yeah, so, groin or something. So it's, just, it's, a, um, it's an image. So Beg's got cleaned up by Byron Pickett while playing for the Crows. And unfortunately, I can't find video footage of it. But next best, best thing, when you search... James Begley, Byron Pickett, it's the aftermath after he's been cleaned up and he's in the hands of the trainers and it's kind of symbolic for where James is at physically at the moment. Anyway. And, but seriously, you've got my beer. Yeah, because can I? <laughs> to be fair. I was sipping Josh, on that. Like, Yeah, you were sipping very slowly. He's <laughs> just snuck the beer. Can I have it back, please? This is a full dad now. Just like, just hammers the beers in the arvo and goes home. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm cold sore. No, I don't. <laughs> I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to rapid fire. This is rapid fire. You ready for it? rapid fire? Boom. Okay. Uh, word association. I say beer. What comes in your mind? I say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still. Can I just finish my sip, James? Like a budgie. I say beer. You say <laughs> yeah. Beer. Yeah. Beer. Yeah. Beer. Yeah. Beer. Yeah. Nah, beer. Yeah. Ask me that again. Uh, beer. Pirate life. <laughs> That's good. where I was yeah. trying to lead you. Are we, are we actually doing rapid yeah, fire? Because I actually have some genuine questions oh. about uh, Josh's ambitions beyond Adelaide. Oh, okay. Um, I have Mr. been privy serious. to some information that you have travelled occasionally for business-related reasons. Yeah. Not going to expect you to necessarily divulge. No, answer um, it. Oh, yeah. Sav, another, another phone call. Sav, I'm up in the rooster. He's live I'm on I'm up air. in the rooster. Come up here. Okay. See you later. Can you just explain who that, who that was? That was John Saver, um, one of my best mates, also my mentor. Uh, great Lead guy. Lead World Property. Lead World Property. 
He's got we're going to get him on the rooster one. He's one coming now. in now. We could do it now. Well, let's at least just grab a couple of minutes. Yeah, from, yeah let's just let it run. Um, you're like one of your favourite cars that, that Sava, Sava yeah. has? Oh, the GT3 RS. It's amazing, but he did have a 488 GTB Ferrari, which you probably would hate me saying it on radio, but whatever. That was You don't monster. have a car like that for, you know, just not to get the odd, uh, odd mention. Sava's done a really, he's done really well for himself and he's done some really smart property deals and he's... Uh, an amazing creature when it comes to business and also a friend and, and also a mentor. beautiful fashion. Love his adventurous fashion. Mate, he's got, he's yeah. probably the best dressed dude in Adelaide. We yeah. saw that, that jacket the other day. It had guns all over it. Dolce & Gabbana, I found out. <laughs> wow. so anyway, can. back to your really serious, my, my, my important, question, boring um, questions. Ambitions beyond Adelaide. Yeah, You're so the face of Adelaide hospitality, let's oh, be honest. I think that there's a few of us, but yeah, I'm up there with, with being a face and I've put my face out there to be, so yeah, I suppose I am. Look, we, I've got a connection in Doha um, with, a, with a gentleman called Sultan, believe it or not. It's funny. But anyway, we're looking at doing some business. He's a gentleman called Sultan in Sultan, Doha. You yeah. might want to narrow it down. There's probably a few. <laughs> yeah. Now, he did, a, he did his Bachelor of Arts here in South Australia. He's an advocate for South Australia, loves it. He's a bit younger than I. Um, but he wants to do business. He wants to take something back to Doha. Wow. So we've been talking about a few different things here and there to maybe – take a business there or him to invest in something here. Um, he's just a really good guy to have. So we did go over there to put a presentation on for him and his family to invest in an idea that's actually, you know, it's actually more directed at starting in New York. Um, that whole idea of this business was brought to me by, um, it's not my idea, um, Robbie Cardoni actually, um, the, uh, the, 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 the founder of Chibo Espresso and Chibo. Um, and I can't really talk much about the business at all, but it's to do with to do with him and, and, and a couple of other really influential people, a couple of people on site in New York, which we're still so we're still doing, we're still looking at it quite heavily. So, are you? Is that kind of a next step for you, looking beyond Adelaide? I, I think I'd love to. I'd love to do it. I'd love to do something offshore. I don't know if it's the right time. And I don't. It, I think it, this this particular business idea would would actually take myself and a couple of other people from my shops. Um, pardon me, I just had to do a little burp. Um, <laughs> didn't really need to tell you that, but I did. Uh, <laughs> um, I'd need to take people out of out of the games here and actually spend some time with them over there. So at this stage, I can't see myself doing it in the next year because we've just got a lot of things coming up. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'd love to – look, I think my end goal, realistically, is to own the real estate that I've got a business in. Bang. That's the end of the story. But that's what I really would love because I know that there's going to be one day that I'm just going to go, I can't do any more hospitality, but I'm going to, I love setting the things up. So if I can be involved in the creative side of, of a venue in an establishment that I'm a joint owner of, for the bricks and mortar side of things, then that's my end goal. I mean, bricks and mortar to me is really exciting. It's something you can touch and it stays there and you can see different tendencies roll over in it, you know, and I think that's the that really intrigues me and I love, you know, John Saver and George Ginnos. George Ginnos another mentor of mine and, and he's leased a lot of tenancies to me. But their philosophy and, and their way of dealing with these business, these buildings is just so – it excites me a lot. I love it. And I love design, you know, but the actual mechanics of running these businesses is is really hard. So 
I think that's a little best of both worlds. Rapid fire. Right. I've been producer Montessi's given me the green light. Yeah. Thank you. I'm kind of hoping that John's going to walk in. If Let's just declare he that if he walks in, rapid fire stops and then yeah, we start yeah. interviewing No, no, we John. will. He's probably been caught up at Rigoni's just doing a million-dollar deal. Um, it happens. Yeah. <laughs> I'll ask you again, uh, like we did last time, the precinct or area that in Adelaide that has the most potential. Has it changed? I'm going to say Port Adelaide. Ooh, because it was Hutt, Hutt Street last yeah, time. Yeah, I, I still think Hutt Street's got so much potential. But I suppose because we're investing in Port Adelaide, I'm really excited to see what's... You know, every... every sorry, this is probably not rapid fire. No, no, but it's fine. Every, every sort of creation of, of a precinct, like let's say Peel Street, for instance, started with Clever Little Taylor and then it was full not long after that. So I've just got this little sneaking suspicion that the Port Admiral, well, and I know we're going to do a damn good job there. You know, Crispian's working so hard at that place and everyone else that's been involved. So once we open, I think it's going to give so much confidence to some young entrepreneurs and there's so many tenancies down there that are empty and the rent's really reasonable and cheap. Um, well, really it, cheap. Some it's of them another pioneering space for you. Yeah, and I reckon I could see, like I was down there today and we walked past five shops that are empty and I said, I bet you by the end of next year these shops will be thriving with some funky little fit-out things happening, you know, cool people doing cool stuff. Do you have Spotify on your phone? Uh, yeah. Open it up, tell me what you last played. Oh, I've got Deezer, another app. Oh, I'll tell you. I just heard the lift. Maybe John's coming up. Sav! Sav! A track called Flossin'. Flossin'? Flossing by Father Dom. G-Funk way of life. <laughs> that is the best answer. I could never have expected that. Oh, it's so good. We're recording. Bakes, you do the intro. Listeners out there, welcome in John Saver, my one of my uh, one of my um, one of my best mates, and also my mentor. So we have been trying to get John on just even if we get two minutes from you this afternoon. No, 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 no. We'll get, we'll get two minutes, John. Um, We've, we've been we've been dissecting uh, we've been dissecting Josh Baker's uh, I guess world hospitality life. Um, this is genuine. This is genuine. Um, you might need to come a little closer, just about two inches. We're not going to ask any hard hitting questions. It's more how have you seen Baker's I guess evolution over the last few years um, in in his world, what he's done and what he's doing now. Well, we've got to love the Bakes, don't we? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's he's um, he is inspiring. He's full of energy. He's um, he's got a gift with people, which is effectively what it's all about. And um, and um, people are, people like that attract people, and that's why we all want to hang with him. That's why we all want to do business with him, and that's ultimately why we want him to make us a coffee even if it is pretty ordinary <laughs> <laughs> where'd, you first, where'd you first meet him uh he uh where did i first meet him oh he used to he used to make me coffee Rigoni's. i think it was Rigoni's. no pronzo 
Pronzo. He used to make me coffee at Pronzo and um, we just took a liking to one another, talked about all sorts of things that weren't important. And that went on for a while um, until he um, moved to Rigoni's and ironically I started following him to Rigoni's and getting my coffee there. Actually now I think about it, it's a bit, it's a little bit sad. Stalker. <laughs> what, and, then, and then how do you take the relationship to the next level from just making coffees to then doing something together? Well, then he just kept on asking me questions and started brain-sucking me for ideas. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> You did, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did, absolutely. So what, what was the first one? Uh, well, Coffee Branch was a big move for Josh and that was a big decision uh, that he uh, confided in me a fair bit about. And um, at the time, you know, um, Lee Street was only in, you know, in the infancy of materialising into the, the place that it is now so that, you know, the gamble was a lot bigger, bigger back then. And when you take all of that into um, consideration, it's easy to say now, oh, what a good idea. But, you know, you got to remember the landscape was very different and the tenancy was really quite ordinary. And um, I think we all had, had a little bit of doubt about us, but it was right as things started to crystallise in terms of coffee, you know, became what it has become and... And um, it was the first of, I think, uh, a place like that had such a vibe. So, so you know, I think that was, you know, the impact was massive. Whereas if you delivered that now, the impact, you know, isn't the same. I think, you know, when you look back eight years ago, you know, the impact was massive in a street that now has become what it has and there's other streets that have now sort of... And it's, you know, it's maybe not such a big deal anymore but back then it was a ballsy move and um and still i haven't seen such a following like that place in its heyday mm-hmm. you know no doubt. as someone in pr- property is josh kind of like the archetype dream tenant why no he's not <laughs> Um, well, because... Because I um, won't pay a thousand bucks a metre. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> he doesn't pay enough and um, he's painful and because... Look, there's, there's benefits with Josh. There's, there's, Which are? The benefits are that... I'll if increase he, the value of your building. That's right. Because normally people want to be near him, whether they're doing something else or... You know, so people will go, okay, well, we know Josh is probably going to deliver a good business with plenty of traffic. So chances are the vacancies, the neighbouring vacancies become more desirable. So that's where the benefit is with Josh. But he's a bit of a loss leader because you'll end up having to build the shop for him. He'll pay you <laughs> nothing for it. And then and then you'll have to thank him for all of that. <laughs> Come, well, so just moving uh, sort of on from that and, and taking a bit further... What do you look for in a deal? Uh, well, what do I look for as a landlord or mm. Josh looks for as no, a... No, you. Oh, it's, it's all about the operator today. You know, it's all about somebody who has the ability to deliver a great outcome 
in terms of the place, ambience and feeling of the place, but also the product. So, you know, people are astute now. They know what shit coffee is. They don't go there once they realise there's inconsistency and all of those things. So so the consumer's, you know, far more clever than before. They Their awareness is is really good. They know good food. They know good coffee. They know a good place. So you are really, really relying on a good operator. It's no, it's no longer about signing a deal and thinking it's forever as a landlord. It's about making sure your tenant is sustainable and Josh is sustainable. Bakes, uh, you mentioned that John is a, a mentor. Um, without wanting to have you guys pissing in each other's pockets all through this podcast, uh, what, how has John helped you? Oh, he's helped me immensely. Like in in so many. In can you talk so into Can you talk into the mic? Sorry, that's all. Right. I like. To talk. He's helped me immensely in so many different ways. Um, how to deal with stress, how to actually try and make some money out of all the hard work that I put in to do it. Um, uh, how to communicate to people as well. There's a there's he's got a pretty he's got two different brains. This guy. You can see him out on Friday night and you will not hear the shit that's coming out of his mouth now. <laughs> but then you can put him in a boardroom in front of dudes that are worth, you know, a billion dollars collectively and he'll have the meeting out of his hands. So he's taught me the ability of, of, of communication and also deals. Like he's taught me what to look out for. What he tries to sell people, <laughs> he tells me the opposite side of it. So oh, there's, there's, there's heaps of things and, you know, it's, just, it's been amazing. So... Which is really, it's really fun now because this new project that I'm not really allowed to talk about, which I was talking about before, he's actually going to be involved with me, right? So now we get to go, we get to cross lines a little bit and he gets to come on this side of the fence and, you know, he invited me into the deal on Green Hill Road, which is, you know, my first little bit of commercial ownership. So we've got a little slice of that, that pie. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a really good friendship, really good partnership and we're going to keep cranking. David, from what I know, there's shopping centres that, that you control. There's um, obviously commercial buildings. What else makes up your world in terms of property and uh, assets? Uh, well, it's sort of a collective amongst business and, and property, I guess. But um, so, so Leadwell is, you know, my, my primary focus and that's a... Uh, agency business that uh commercial agency business that has a um different 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 business units one being the traditional management of commercial property then we have a strong agency business where we sell and lease property on behalf of landlords we also have a project management division that division is about delivery so we help developers deliver uh whether it's new build or redevelopment um we have a, a division that really caters specifically for that uh, that customer need. Then we, you know, then we're looking always at new business units in terms of, you know, we have a marketing company that's specifically related to uh, uh, property. So for for landlords that need to pitch their properties to a catchment, we try and help them with that. So property is evolving and I think that um, the way of doing business within that commercial property sector is changing and we are fortunate that we're nimble because we're a locally based organisation so we can 
we can, you know, pick up on trends really quickly. We can um, employ uh, people really quickly and uh, and deploy any sort of ideas that we have without relying on a whole, you know, uh, larger group to make a decision, whether it be a board or a national international business so so we're fortunate we're nimble we're uh we're um we'd like to think that we are always on the hunt for a different way of doing things um in what is a very traditional market you you touched on it but what are some of the the trends that you're seeing in commercial property trends uh, well it 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 it's different in terms of different sectors. So when you relate to an industrial market or a retail market or a commercial office market, they're all there's different things happening within different sectors. But you know, uh, let's talk about retail, for example. Given Josh is here, I think that um, I think you know we're seeing with retail where you know trends are different in terms of. You know, fashion is a real tough part of the market at the moment. Um, you're finding that, um, you know, as, as a collective, the retailers are generally finding it pretty hard. Um, then you have food and beverage that seems to be growing, um, but only growing if, um, you know, there is a operator who is delivering. So, you know, there is no free kicks at the moment in, in any of the sectors, but... Um, I think you'll find that you need to be really on top of your game and um, you need to be able to specialise within what field you want to be and show your point of difference to have a real market relevance. It's interesting. I never would have thought that not only do you have to kind of provide, you know, retailers the space, you then got to kind of help them with their business. Mm. I mean, it's in your interest to help them with their business. Happy retailer, happy landlord. Yeah. You don't want to lose a tenant. Yeah. And and you can you can work within, you know you can work with them and you can advise and you can assist and there's lots of examples on how to do that. But what's really good about um, you know, specifically Josh's um, network is that he has outsourced uh, good expertise in different areas of his business. So Josh doesn't necessarily cook the mills and he doesn't do the accounts you know so he knows he plays to his strengths so he's got the people picking up on the weaknesses that he has and that is really important I think in longevity you know to make sure your occupancy cost is right make sure your wages are where they need to be make sure that uh, all of the uh, KPIs that the industry has told us uh, are achievable and that obviously makes a sustainable business so there is that information available and and you need to be playing within those uh within the framework of that to be able to achieve a sustainable outcome you guys had any barneys hell yeah yeah do you normally on a friday night no oh no we've had barneys for sure there's there's things we don't see eye to eye to and we'll and i'll go black and blue and he'll go black and blue and then we work it out josh works out he's wrong i mean it's just what happens Oh, um, it's, it's just an all-star cast. I'm a little bit overwhelmed. Um, Bring him in. Why not? Yeah, not, not that I, I'm going to keep asking one or two questions and, and then actually I'll have to disappear to pick my son up from childcare. Yeah, we, we've got to meet I've got a but, but Chewie can take well, No, no, you've got to answer this one question. Okay, okay right. so uh, not, that it's a, not that it's a rooster about uh, you, John, because we're going to leave that. We're, we're still, we've got a lot of 
digging to do with yourself. This is the segue to it. But when you look for a deal, Josh has talked about gut feel, instinct, passion plays a massive role. For you though, when you're looking at a deal, when someone first presents it, what, what do you look for? Well, I think... I think you've got to go with what Josh is suggesting first off. If your gut's in the right place, um, without that, you know, I'd never suggest to anybody that they follow through with anything. So if, if it feels right, that's always the first box to tick for me. Um, and then you start making the whole uh, thing a bit more commercial by then, you know, I guess qualifying what's most important next and so i traditionally go yeah well you know this deal sort of feels right looks right does it commercially work uh, because if it feels right and it commercially works then you could find yourself with a whole heap of time invested in trying to qualify whether it's a real opportunity whereas if your gut's not right or if, say for example your gut is right but commercially it doesn't work well you don't have to waste any more time so i that, traditionally that clinical about it yeah it's a process of elimination what's really important is to qualify as much as you can as quickly as you can so for me everything's about qualifying so people properties anything i do try and work out a reason to believe that it's a quality lead or it's a quality opportunity quicker than, you know, what I would do in the event that I sniff something's wrong. So it's qualifying is where I, you know, I think I've learnt the skill in terms of that's where the majority of my success has come from. Well, on that note, gents, uh Appreciate you've got to get to a, a board meeting now. You've got to do a wee, John. I've got a wee. Uh, <laughs> thanks for the an impromptu, free-flowing discussion. And Bakes, uh, what a great follow-up to, what, a year and a half down the track. I'm sure yeah, we'll do thanks, another boys. year and a half time. Thanks and John uh, and even Stuart, um, there's, uh, there's more podcasts to come your way. So, gents, thanks very much. Cheers, man. Cheers, boys. Thanks for listening to our chat with Josh Baker and John Saver. We have plenty of interesting interviews in the bank and many more to come, so subscribe to Rooster Radio. And if you like what we're doing, please leave us a review in iTunes. And connect with us at roosterradio.biz. We'd love to hear from you.